Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 102. Today, I'm hanging out with Megan Brown of Two Bright Lights, and we are going to talk all about how getting published can change your business for free. That's right. Who doesn't like free marketing? Megan is going to walk us through the power of getting published, how to put together the perfect submission, and ways to tell the story so that you can captivate the attention of whoever is saying yes or no. And by the way, if you hear no, it doesn't always mean no, never. It could just mean no, not this time. Let's dive on into today's show. I'm so excited to share all the amazing tips and strategies that Megan has to offer. As an extra bonus, I am including a freebie that helps you collect the vendor information from events. If you happen to be a wedding photographer, this is for you. You can get hold of it at jennacutcherblog.com slash 102. Again, this is going to help you gather the information from your clients so that you know how to credit all of the sources involved in making a day perfect. Without further ado, let's dive on into episode 102. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop style business podcast for creative girl bosses. So you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Who are we fooling? You hate ads, right? It's like, just give me the content and stop trying to sell me on another thing. Guess what? I heard you loud and clear, so loud and clear that I'm doing something totally radical and I'm letting go of all of my sponsorships. Now, I might be crazy, but bear with me, because when I started this show, The Gold Digger Podcast, it was all about impacting people with the best free education out there, and so to align with my mission, this show is not sponsored anymore, but it is brought to you by our free Pinterest resource, The Ultimate Pinterest Guide. That's right, it's entirely free and a full seven-page guide to help you crack the code on Pinterest. Just get your hands on it by going to www.jkpinterest.com and snag it. That's right, another free resource made especially for you at jkpinterest.com. Enjoy. Now, let's get to the good stuff. Are you guys ready? 
All right, guys, today I'm so excited to introduce you to, I just named her one of the smartest women I now know, Megan Brown. (laughs) She is the manager of Two Bright Lights, and she is a legitimate rock star at helping creative and event professionals grow their brands and their leads by connecting them with publishers and other vendors. She is based out of New York and lives with her sweet husband. She is a creative herself, a musician, an avid lover of events, all things original, and not only that, but she holds holds a degree in music business, so it's safe to say that Megan truly understands the nitty-gritty challenges that creative entrepreneurs face. Her intimate knowledge of the creative world makes her the perfect person to talk about getting published and getting the word out all about your creative endeavors. So welcome to the show, Megan. Oh, thank you so much, Jenna. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so thrilled you're here. And I was telling you before we started recording, like we get asked all the time about the importance of getting published and why it matters and how to submit. And so you are the expert of all experts. And so I'm so thankful that you're giving us your time and your expertise today. Awesome. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I mean, we're already like new BFFs, even though we've (laughs) only talked for like 10 minutes. So I want to know first, like, how did you enter this marketing, publishing the event world? Tell me a little bit about your story and kind of how you got your start. Wow. Well, honestly, and I know probably so many people say this, but I kind of just fell into it. As you mentioned, I am a musician by trade. Both of my parents are musicians. I think that I would have been, you know, sent out of our family if I didn't have a musical bone in my body. So fortunately it worked out and I spent a lot of my life in, you know, music training, in education. And I always had this idea that that's what I wanted to be when I grew up, you know, I'm still trying to grow up, but that was my goal. (laughs) But aside from that, I also constantly saw my parents hustling to make their side gigs in the music world work along their full-time jobs of being music educators. So between gigging and educating, it was always a struggle to, how do you have all the time to get everything that you want to get done? And so as I continued through my career and going through school, I realized that that was something that I really wanted to dig into. And through that I sort of took a turn and ended up working in event design. So just out of school, I worked for an event interior designer. And let me just tell you, it was the craziest 14 months of my life. (laughs) It was a little bit like the devil wears Prada. And, you know, (laughs) I, I got a really thick skin. So I definitely am so thankful for that time in my life. And I learned a lot. I learned so many of the ins and outs of the events industry that just sort of brought me to where I am today. And I used that time to sort of figure out where I wanted to go from there. So I pivoted into more corporate events because I was like, oh, this will be calmer. Just kidding. Never. (laughs) Wishful thinking. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I pivoted into that. And then that role kind of grew into more of a marketing and strategy position. So I was figuring out how do we grow this business that I'm working on. And as a side note, it was economics research. So it wasn't exactly my heart, but hey, it was a challenge. I was up for it. And all of a sudden, six and a half years passed by. And I was like, why am I working so hard to grow something that I don't have a passion about? Why am I working so hard every single day to work towards something that isn't ultimately helping other people? So I kind of just 
knew at that point I wanted to make that switch. I wanted to transition to something where I could use these marketing and event skills and knowledge that I had and really try to help other people. Just like I wish I could have done when I was growing up or other people could have done when I saw my family or my friends who had these small businesses and working so hard to grow them and achieve their goals. So when I came upon Two Bright Lights and it was like this moment where a light bulb went off and I was like, this is perfect. It allows me to continue using the skills that I have, but also to use that and help other people who are at any stage in their career and any stage in growing their business to really continue to get that next step up to, to grow their own brands. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's my kind of my long winded version of how I'm now here. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? I was telling Megan, I actually, I don't think many people in my audience even know that I ran a wedding blog and created Mm -hmm. one, but that was when Megan and my paths first crossed, which was, I believe in 2012. And, you know, There are so many sides to the publishing world that I think people don't understand from the submission side to the approval side to actually publishing the content. There is a lot of hands in the pot to make it happen. So how would you describe the publishing world in one word? And like, how would you kind of sum it up in a sense? Oh, this is tough. I mean, so there's a lot of ways you can go, but one word that I think really sums it up, especially when we're talking about publishing in terms of, you know, the weddings and events is storytelling. It's so much to give you the opportunity to tell your couple's story or tell your story. And then from there, it can really invite the engagement of where you can tell your story as your brand. And then what is your brand about? And then you've got that emotional connection with your readers. And hopefully at the end of the day, the goal is that you're using the couple's story, your story, the amazing images as the hook. So I guess when you think about it in the way the story is sort of weaving throughout it, that's sort of what publishing is to me. And then how you can use that to help grow your brand. I love that. I am all about stories. And I think something that people maybe have like a preconceived notion about getting published is that it's all about the images. And I think, yeah, that's a piece of it. But -hmm. I think it's more about that story and the ability that the images and the words partnered together have the way of telling a story that is captivating or different or new or inspiring. Don't you agree? Absolutely. You're totally right. Because when you think about it, the images Sure, they may be the first thing that somebody sees and the way you sort of like pique the interest of the editor you're pitching. But at the end of the day, they still need to write something about that. They need to have a great story to tell that makes it different from every other feature that they're putting on their publication. Whether that's something having to do with, you know, multiple generations coming together or there's a detail that was really inspired by something that happened in that couple's journey together. It's a way of using that to really make those images go above and beyond. Absolutely. So 
when you started this whole thing and kind of have this vision, did you understand like how getting published can affect people's lives and how have you seen that happen in practice? Well, so I can't take credit for starting the whole thing. Uh, A woman named Siri Eklund actually came up with this idea and she just grew this brand. I just had the opportunity to come on board, grow it alongside her. And now that she's decided to sort of take a step back, I get to run with it. And I can't even tell you how honored I am to be part of this, but I really had no idea that the long-term effects that someone as a small business owner or a photographer or anyone like that, what it actually has on their business when they get published and what that does. It's just been such an eye-opening experience and just makes me want to shout this from the rooftops and tell people all about how it can really help them long-term. So what would you say is the result of getting published? And then we'll back up afterwards and talk about like how to actually do it. So what would you say like the end result of getting published is fill in the blank? Well, so there's a few things. The end result big time is free marketing for you. The goal when you get published is, of course, the publication is out there sharing it. And let's take, for example, something that gets published online. So the publication out there shares it, let's see, on all their social media platforms. They're tagging every single vendor that was associated with that. So all of a sudden, your name and all of the professionals you worked with is appearing in all these different news feeds. So your name is getting in front of so many different people. But then it it doesn't stop there because you are obviously going to share that because you deserve every single right to brag about your success. And of course, you will tag all the wedding professionals as well. And then you definitely need to tag the couple, anybody in the bridal party that you know, any of the parents, because we all know the bride's mom will share it from here until the end of earth. Um, <laughs> so all of a sudden, you are appearing in the news feeds of so many different people and you didn't pay for it. And that to me is marketing. We all need that marketing that works while we sleep. And obviously the more cost-effective, the better. Let's be honest, we do not have infinite bank accounts. And so anything that we can do that gets us in front of so many different people where it didn't cost very much or anything at all, that's just a huge leg up. Absolutely. And I am all about that free marketing power. And I think that getting published is one of the most underutilized ways to get the word out. I think so many people are focused on social media, but social media does not necessarily reflect in sales or profits. And Mm -hmm. I think if I had to choose between getting published or using social media, I think that getting published would move the needle more from a profit standpoint in the sense of getting your work out there. Don't you think that's kind of true? Yeah, absolutely. And I think they also work hand in hand because- If you're getting published in a feature, chances are the editor will be featuring a few of those images on their social media channels. So you're getting the best of both worlds here. So you're also reaching those clients when they're closer to that time where they actually want to book. So they're looking for inspiration. That's the entire goal of, for example, Real Weddings Features is to give inspiration to these couples. We all know that now is the time where everybody wants to have their day as personalized as possible. So they were out there looking at all of these different publications and all of these different images to really give them ideas. 
And also, since most of the time in these cases, these couples have never been you know, in the situation where they're planning a wedding before. They are looking to see how they're going to feel, what the emotions are going to be like. And these images do all of that. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So what would you say, like, I mean, not many of us, especially us just getting started, we don't have publicists. So what are ways that people can work towards getting published? Because I think that there is often a really big fear of hearing no. And mm-hmm. so people are just afraid to try. So what kind of advice would you give people that are like, okay, I see the power in it, but I don't quite know where to start? Sure. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's one of the reasons that Two Bright Lights was created in the first place. It makes it a lot easier to hear no. It's tough. This is your art. It is your work. And you take these things personally. But just hearing no now doesn't mean that it's no forever. It doesn't mean that it's, you know, that your work is bad. It just means that it doesn't fit that publication right now. It could be that they just featured a an event from a similar location or with similar colors. It really could have absolutely nothing to do with you or your work. So that is something to keep in mind. But the great thing when you're using Two Bright Lights when you are submitting, it allows you to say, okay, I got that email that says not a fit. I can go and click two buttons and I've sent it to someone else who may absolutely love it. It makes it hurt a little less and makes you know that it's not over just because one person said no doesn't mean that the next one's going to. So figuring out exactly what publications are your goal publications and sort of having that list is really helpful because if you are in that situation where you need to submit to someone else, you've got the next one on the list and you know exactly where to go. And so you are back in that submission game. Absolutely. And I would love to kind of share how we use your program and like what our system looks like, because a lot of times people don't do their research. Have you found that like people do not (laughs) spend the time that is necessary to really understand. And I know from running a wedding blog and also submitting. So I've seen both sides of it. Mm -hmm. It is so important to be so intentional and thoughtful in the way that you are submitting because every single blog, every single publication has different styles, has different needs, has different ways of telling stories. And you should very quickly be able to tell, is this a potential fit or not? And so what I think when people start to hear no, it's not a reflection, like you said, of their work. It could just be a reflection of not being the right fit. And so my challenge would be, you know, take time to really be thoughtful about the way that you are researching where you are submitting to, because the more aligned you can be, the more likely you are to hear yes. And so when we go to submit work, we'll take a look at different weddings that I've shot throughout the year and we'll say, this one was super unique or this story is so different. And then we will take the time to really research and say, who do we think this is a fit for? And make a list of three to four to five different options, starting with our favorite Mm -hmm. at the top and working our way down. And of course, you're going to hear no. But just like you said, Megan, like it's not always like no, never. It might just be like this one isn't the right fit and maybe more would be. And so I think that a lot of times people just don't do the background work that is necessary to find the yeses. Yeah, it's so true. And 
Yes, it can take time, but it honestly doesn't take as much time no. as you think it might. One little trick that I tell a lot of people is check out the Instagram feeds of the publications. Mm -hmm. It's a super easy way and fast of getting like a visual representation of what types of images they always feature. Is there a certain photography style? Do they always feature a certain type of cake shot or a certain couple shot? Doing that can be really, really helpful when you're crafting your submission. Absolutely. So I want to know what you think maybe like a little known fact about the publishing world that we might not know that we might be like totally blind to or not understand because we're not on the inside of it. Sure. So one thing I think people don't realize is the power of non-exclusive publications. So just to give everybody a bit of background. So there are exclusive and they're non-exclusive publications. Exclusive means that you can only submit images to them that have not been featured anywhere else. That doesn't necessarily mean your own blog, but it just means in any other publication. And then if they get picked up, there's usually a time period that you are not allowed to submit to anyone else. It can range from one to six months after publication. So basically they have first right of refusal and then they're the only ones able to use those images for a certain period of time. Then on the other side, there are non-exclusives and non-exclusive publications you can submit to if you've already been published somewhere else, or you can submit to multiple non-exclusive publications at the same time. So there's a lot of power in that because it gives your one event so many more legs, so much more longevity, because the odds are that each publication is not going to pick up the same images. So you could have the same wedding or the same event featured in five or 10 different publications. And they all have different audiences. But remember, it's the same event. So you get a lot of life out of that. We actually do Platinum Circle winners every year, which means that's the top published photographers through Two Bright Lights. And last year, Casey Hendrickson actually was published more than 150 times in one year oh through our gosh. platform. Right? It's, it's crazy. And it's not like she's shooting 150 weddings because I don't know how she would be alive if she was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but she's figured it out where... She can get so much life out of each event that she's shooting. That's amazing. And I have dealt with that as well in terms of the exclusive and non-exclusive. And obviously the exclusive ones have probably larger audiences. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, you could reach so many more audiences that might have different demographics looped in, that might have a different reader, that might have different geographic locations yeah. looped in. And so I think that's a really good tip for people, especially if you're just getting started and maybe those really big blogs or platforms aren't quite quite the right fit yet. What a beautiful way to like work towards that if that's the direction you want to go. But also you have to think too, it's not just one post and then that post dies. A lot of them are using scheduling tools to continue to tweet about them or post and push that content back out to Facebook again. And mm -hmm. a lot of them are also pinning images from your posts onto their Pinterest boards, which likely have larger audiences than maybe you do. Right. That's absolutely true. And then also a lot of the regional publications tend to be non-exclusive. And when you think about it, prospective couples are usually using regional publications when they're trying to figure out what 
wedding professionals they actually want to work with. So they're closer to being in that booking process as opposed to when they're looking at these larger exclusive publications that tend to be nationwide and have these very large reaches. Those are where they generally go for inspiration. So I like to say it's not all about going big or going home. Maybe you mm-hmm. do want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe home sounds really yeah, good to you right now. Exactly. I love that. So I want to ask you a question. How do you think that, let's say somebody does get featured, how do you think that they could get the biggest results from sharing that feature? What kind of tips would you tell somebody to get like longevity and success out of being featured? Sure. Well, I think a lot of people are hesitant to boast about their successes and about their published features. But first thing I would definitely say is don't be shy about it. This Mm -hmm. is your opportunity to brag. You earned it. You worked hard. And every single other professional you worked with, as well as your couple, is going to be so excited to see that you are so proud of your work too, because they were part of it. So I think that's one of the biggest things that I can say. Don't shy away from it. Be out there. So share it on social. You should definitely make sure you're contacting everybody who is involved. So if you haven't talked to your couple in a couple months and it finally is published, send them an email. Tell them. Send all of the vendors an email that you worked with. The other thing that actually is really interesting that a lot of people don't think about is you should blog about the fact that you were published. Interesting. Tell me more. So, okay, we're all in that, you know, area where we never have enough content and we're like, oh my gosh, I haven't blogged in how many days? (laughs) So first of all, it's more content, which we all need, (laughs) but you tend to reach different people. Not all of your blog readers are going to be people that are your Instagram followers or anything like that. So making sure you're reaching them in all these different areas is really helpful. And then if you're linking to all of these other vendors you worked with and linking to these publications, the publications are linking to you. There's just so much that can happen with helping your SEO, which again is something we all strive for. (laughs) Um, Improved SEO. It's like one of those things that no one fully understands that knows that we have to worry about. (laughs) (laughs) We struggle Um, with it, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So I think being able to use that as an additional content source, but also you're giving more love to all of the different professionals you've worked with. They're going to be more likely to refer you if a client comes to them and is asking, you know, for suggestions on who they think is best in the business. Absolutely. I think a lot of people don't understand or don't give enough power to the peer-to-peer relationships Mm -hmm. within an industry, regardless if it's a wedding industry, if you're a designer, whatever that looks like. There is so much power in collaborating in a sense. And one thing that I think a lot of photographers forget is actually the power of photography and sharing that power and your abilities and your giftings with those other vendors. And so, So I think that there is something that there are so many missed opportunities within our industry in the wedding industry because photographers have the ability to tell that story and to show off other people's work. And not a lot of photographers are great at the follow through on delivering that work to the vendors. Mm -hmm. 
And so I think too, when you're putting together a submission, what a beautiful opportunity to pull apart those images of the flowers, of the cake, of the dress, of the hair, of the makeup, and get them to the respective people that helped make that happen. And I know that that has been entirely invaluable to me. And a lot of times I think photographers like covet their work in that sense. But I always look at it from a standpoint of I am blessed to be able to photograph your work and to give you images that showcase your talents. Mm -hmm. And so these photos aren't mine. They're the story that we all told collaboratively. And so I think that what you said is so amazing because it's not just about getting your work published. It's about really elevating the industry as a whole and to take advantage of that. Like that deserves a celebration. And I think a lot of times we forget to celebrate, right? Absolutely. Yes. And I think one thing that I hear from photographers a lot is, well, I don't know the names of all the professionals I worked with. I don't know all the information. Well, there's a great way of getting that. You can either ask your couple, which they know that information like the back of their hand. They hired all of them. And also if there was a wedding planner or an event planner, they are your go-to source. They are your best friend for this process. So make sure you are working with them on this. You know what? I am going to add in for a resource on this episode. I'm going to include the exact questionnaire that we send out to get all of our vendor information for all of our listeners so that you can send this out to your bride ahead of time so that you know and you can prepare your blog posts before the wedding even happens. And that way you are already starting relationships. So we will include that as a free download that you can grab at Gold Digger Podcast. Hearing Megan talk about this, I'm like, we have a tool we can help out. And I think that it is just so great because after the event or the wedding, it's so hard to get in touch and to figure all of that out. So do it in advance. And that way, then when you go to put together a submission, you're not kind of running around and making more work for yourself. You're so right. (laughs) Definitely. Before the event is the better way to go. Amen. So can you share some tips on how to put together a good submission? Because I think that a lot of times people don't even know where to begin. So what is it that can make your submission stand out and how can you put it together in a way that really just speaks to the editor or whoever is choosing so that you can get a yes? Absolutely. So when you're building your submission, you want to think about 100 to 150 images. This is for generally like weddings or larger events. If it's something like an engagement session or a family session or maternity shoot, you're probably looking at more like 75 images. So I strongly recommend building that image selection into your culling process because many times you've already gone through all the images, you have looked at it, you're done And the last thing you want to do is necessarily go through and look through everything again and pull out all of the 100 to 150 that you want to submit. So as much as you can build that into your process, the better. And then when you're thinking about those images, the thing you want to think about is the rule of 70% detail shots and 30% people. And I know that's a little scary because you're like, wait, it's a wedding. There's people everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And what if my wedding doesn't have a lot of details? (laughs) 70% seems like a lot. But (laughs) details can be a whole slew of different things. So details that are first to come to mind, of course, like the rings and the invitation suite and the shoes and the florals, the cake, all of that. But then it goes beyond that to also be the empty ceremony site, a wide shot 
to capture everything. Then a close up on all the details that make up that site. The same thing for the reception. You would not believe the number of times where we'll see a submission come through and it doesn't really showcase an empty reception venue. But you need to see it before everything gets messed up. Mm-hmm. You have to <laughs> be ca- bold. You have to be yes. bold and like clear the room, get all the people pouring water and putting bread onto the tables and just mm-hmm. say, I need two minutes. Can everyone clear the room? Like you yeah. have to get bold in those questions. And I think that what you're saying, I know that like when I was first starting out, I don't think I was gutsy enough to do those demands. But at (laughs) the same time, you're not only shooting for a publication, you're shooting for your clients. And Mm -hmm. chances are they've spent a ton of time and energy and money and creativity on creating this experience. And while they might not blow up and print off a picture of an empty reception space, it just sets the stage. And like you said at the beginning, Megan, it's all about the story. And you have to have those elements to tell the full story. And so it's always funny when you're shooting because, you know, I'll take a picture of the shoes and I'm like, okay, clearly this probably is not going to be like hung on their mantle. But someday, can you imagine like that bride's daughter being like, these are the shoes my mom wore. And it, it just adds to the story and it helps tell the thoughtfulness that goes into creating an experience, which I think is exactly what publishers need is Mm -hmm. you have to make people feel something and like kind of understand the story behind it, which is what those details help do. Absolutely. And you have to remember that you were the one that was at the event. So things that seem obvious, things that seem like, oh, this is why the flowers were a certain way or a certain place. Sure. That makes sense to you because you were there and you saw it and you actually know the couple. But For someone who's reviewing the submission as to whether or not they want to publish it, you need to make sure you're telling a story with those images, just like you said. So keeping them in the order that they actually took place. You don't want to have like the exit shots all the way at the beginning. Then it just gets confusing. It seems simple, but little things like that can just be so helpful. Excuse the interruption. I know you are enjoying this content and your brain feels like it might explode. And so I wanted to drop in and remind you of our totally free resource created with you in mind. If you're only on Pinterest pinning recipes, fashion inspo, and home decor, it is time to up-level your pinning game and get more intentional with your strategy. This show isn't brought to you by a sponsor and I'm sparing you on the ads, but it is made possible by our free ultimate guide to Pinterest. And I want you to get your hands on it. Cool. So hop on over to jkpinterest.com, grab your copy and start rocking Pinterest with intention today. Hit pause, go get your guide, and then we can jump right back into today's show. I'll see you over at jkpinterest.com. Now back to the good stuff. Absolutely. Can I share a secret insider photography tip? Please. (laughs) So one of the things that helps so much, especially when it comes to the detail stuff, is communicating to your clients ahead of time what you need to get photographed. And so I usually set aside about an hour of time at the beginning of the wedding day, and I request that all of the details be in one place. So I challenge my brides the night before to have your dress hanging, to have the hanger ready, to have all of your rings in one spot, to have your 
invitation suite and I list out everything that I want to photograph and then obviously invite her to include any heirlooms or any other special details. But I have found that if you do not set aside the time at the beginning, they either don't happen or you're not thoughtful in the way that you're presenting them because you're rushed or you're just dealing with what you can. And then the other tip along with that is it is okay to bring along extra props that can help tell that story. It doesn't mean that you're going to infuse your own taste into it, but sometimes you might not have a clean backdrop to shoot the invitation on or things like that. And so I know some of my friends in the industry, they'll have like plain white backdrops or colored backdrops, or they'll even have like a little marble rollout that looks like a marble table, like whatever that looks like. Because I know in the Midwest, like a lot of times our brides will get ready in church basements and it's like, okay, how do we make this, you know, how do we photograph this thoughtfully while still staying true to the story that is being told? And so so it's always that juxtaposition because you're like, I want to photograph these details, but I also don't want to make it look like the Ritz Carlton if it's really Bethlehem (laughs) Lutheran Church, you know, like, and so it's always being really thoughtful with that storytelling. And I have found like the clean detail shots can really just complement the shots of the people or the moments and the emotions and having those two play together can really create this emotional experience. Mm -hmm. It goes a long way. And you're right, making sure that your bride knows that you want all of that ahead of time is going to make your life so much easier. Absolutely. So I have a question for you. What in terms of timing works best in terms of getting published? Should you be working submissions into your workflow as you're finishing events? Should it be something you're working on in the off season? I know that a lot of times things are very seasonal. So what would you say would be like the tip when it comes to timing? So honestly, it is the best to try to make it into your workflow. At the same time, I understand that during busy season, it's like you cannot add one more thing to your plate. So the rule of thumb is making sure that you are submitting things that are probably 12 months old or 18 months max. We all know how quickly trends change. So making sure you're getting that in front of these publishers as soon as possible is better. But you also need to think about, especially when you're looking at print, the timelines. So many of these publications have a six month print cycle. So you also may need to be prepared to wait. So for example, if you shot a wedding this past summer and it's perfect for the next summer issue of your favorite publication, you need to think about, okay, I may need to send this in at least six months ahead of time. So you're probably looking at doing this, sending it in within the next couple of months. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Just keeping that in mind is really important. Yes. And if there are publications that you have a goal of getting into, just look up what their deadlines are so that you Mm -hmm. can mark them down and make sure that you're getting in. My final question that is kind of technical in this sense is, what if you feel like you're not a good writer? Do you have any tips in terms of telling the story in words if you feel like you have the images, but you're not quite sure how to tell a story through the commentary that you're adding? Yes. So I think quotes from your couple are really powerful. So we actually have a whole questionnaire functionality built into Two Bright Lights now that allows you to send it directly to your couple and they can answer eight questions that we've already put together about what was their inspiration, how they've met and all of that. So that can be very helpful. But 
really all you need to make sure is that you have the points in there. Even if it's a bullet pointed list of the bride wore this because it was her grandmother's. They decided to have this type of food because they met at a food truck festival or something like that. The editor's job is to make that into a story. They're going to rewrite it anyways. So as long as you're giving them all the necessary information, it does not have to be perfectly written. Awesome. I think so. I think that is so cool. And it kind of takes the pressure off of people. I feel like a lot of times photographers feel like they have to be these whimsical writers, but it's more about paying attention and then really remembering those special things that really set Mm -hmm. it apart. And I can tell you memorable things about weddings I shot from five years ago just because they were so unique and so special to the couple that it's impossible to forget them. So those are the details to include instead of trying to like spin something in a weird way that doesn't really make sense. (laughs) Yeah. So if you could leave our listeners with one thing that they can do to start working towards getting published, what would it be? Don't wait. Don't Mm -hmm. wait until you have that event of your career. Start now. There's so many things in your portfolio that you already have that can get out there in front of people, in front of these new clients that are going to be your ideal client. So I can't stress enough not to wait. The time is there and the opportunity is there for you. So just take a little bit of time and move it further up your to-do list and just make it happen. Amazing. So can you share just a little bit about your platform and how it's helping people do that? And I know you have a little extra goodie to share with our insiders. Yeah, awesome. So Two Bright Lights connects photographers, planners, florists, venues, all creative types with hundreds of publishers to showcase their work. So you can build your album directly within the Two Bright Lit system, tag all of the associated vendors, send that questionnaire, and then we now have this handy-dandy publication matching tool that takes all of the tags of the album that you put together and helps to suggest the best publications for your work. The best part is you still have full control over where you submit to. You can choose any of the hundreds of publishers on the platform, but we like to give you a couple tips that we think might be the best fit. And then the goal is just to make it really simple. You go through that process and then you get alerted via email along the way, whether you get accepted or when it's been published and it's all in real time. So to make it as easy as possible so you're not managing things in all of your different email boxes and sending different galleries. It's all in one place. And for the publisher, we do the same. It's all in one place for them so that they're not having to manage it in all of these different places. So our goal is really to help you grow your brand and we'd love to be able to do that with you. So we are offering all listeners a 10% off code for an annual subscription to Two Bright Lights. It's for people who have never tried it before. So if you are a new user or you've never tried submitting through us, you can use the promo code GOLDDIGGER and that will give you 10% off the annual subscription. Amazing. Thank you. This is so exciting. I just really hope that people can start to embrace the power of getting published. Hello, free advertising. Like, yes, yeah. please. <laughs> but just understand that like, it is not as scary as it sounds. And there are just so many opportunities for your work to be featured, for your clients to feel loved and to feel special and to also just really build up that community around you so that you can really foster 
foster relationships that are meaningful within your industry. So thank you for sharing your talents, your expertise, your insight. This was so helpful. Such fun. I'm so glad I could be here with you. Where can everybody find you, Megan? Yeah, so you can find us on Instagram. It's two underscore bright underscore lights or my personal one, which is Megan, M-E-G-H-A-N underscore SB. And so you can find us there or you can shoot us an email anytime at hello at twobrightlights.com. And we're a really tiny team. There's only three of us. So you may even hear back from me. That's amazing. I still can't even get over that. <laughs> you are like superwoman <laughs> in the submission world. Thank you so much. And Gold Diggers, you can pick up any resources and any links that Megan mentioned at today's show notes, which can be found at golddiggerpodcast.com. Thank you so much, Megan. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. You gold digging dream chaser, you.